0: What's up citizens of Apologia, this is King Ginger and I just wanted to take a moment to encourage you all to sign up for Apologia All Access. When you sign up for Apologia All Access you're going to get exclusive on-demand content this means that you and your entire family are going to get to watch every single tv show every single after show and every single apologia academy with new content dropping every
1: single week but most importantly your contribution helps apologia studios create quality christ-centered entertainment that reaches millions of people on our youtube channels and through our podcast with the gospel so what are you waiting for change everything at apologiaradio.com Hi, I'm Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio and Apologia TV with a very special broadcast. Um, There is a bill right now in Oklahoma, SB 1118. The bill itself seeks to classify abortion as first-degree murder and to end abortion completely in the state of Oklahoma. The resistance to this bill has come from very peculiar places. It's come from those who call themselves Republicans, and they call themselves pro-life. And so what has stopped and or slowed the bill has been people who call themselves pro-life. Another instance of something that has slowed the bill's progress has come from the pro-life movement itself. This letter came out from a man named Tony, who is the vice president of the National Right to Life, and he's the chairman of Oklahoma's for life. Tony was asked by a senator how he felt about SB 1118. And in the letter that's going around right now from Tony, uh, Tony essentially says that this bill, SB 1118, um, would effectively do away with the incremental policies that have been put put in place in Oklahoma. In other words, SB 1118 would call abortion murder, would classify it as a first-degree murder charge, and uh, would do away with it. But Tony, uh, the vice president of the National Right to Life, says that SB 1118 would do away with the incremental policies. So you need to think hard about what was just said. SB 1118 would do away with abortion and call it murder and Tony with the National Right to Life and Oklahomans for Life says that it would do away with the incremental policies that we've worked so hard for. Yes, that's what their position is. Uh, Tony was gracious enough um, to agree to do a radio program with me. I called him up and asked him if you'd like to be on Apology or Radio to discuss SB 1118. Um, some of you guys um, I think are going to be startled by some of the things that Tony says very startled to put it mildly and some of you guys may wonder Jeff why weren't you confronting him? Why weren't you challenging him more? And I want to tell you why Um, I wanted you all to know and to hear about all of the things that we've known about for a long time. And that is that the pro-life movement is a failure in terms of being a real Christian approach to ending abortion in our nation. I wanted you to hear it from Tony himself. And so we're going to have the entire interview for you right now with Tony. Again, he's the vice president of the National Right to Life. He is the chairman of Oklahomans for Life, and he is one of the reasons this bill was slowed. It was part of his opposition. So here's the interview right now uh, with Tony hi tony it's jeff durbin uh, with apology at church and apology radio yes jeff
0: how are you
1: very very good thank you Hello. so much
0: yes sir where is area 602 jeff
1: uh actually we're right in tempe tempe arizona which is we're like yeah, 10 minutes from the Air phoenix airport okay yeah, yeah. great well <clears throat> as i said i really appreciate you spending the time uh right now to uh to talk with us for a minute and um I, I, I saw today you are with Oklahomans for Life, and you told me on the phone that you're also the vice president of the National Right to Life, correct? Yes, sir. How long have you been doing that for?
0: Uh, well, I've been the state chairman of Oklahomans for Life for 38 years, and I've been the vice president of National Right to Life for 30
1: one years, I think. Oh, wow. Wow. So, um, I wanted to chat with you about what's happening in Oklahoma right now. Uh, you said you were ju- you're just actually leaving the state capitol? Yes, sir.
0: Uh-huh. Just left the capital.
1: Okay. And so, in Oklahoma right now, there's a bill that's been proposed, um, SB 1118. And from what I understand, this bill um, seeks to classify... Abortion as first-degree murder. Am I correct about that? Yes, sir. Okay. And um, how, how do you how do you feel about SB one 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 eight?
0: Well, there are two versions of the bill. Um, uh, the bill as it came out of committee, and then uh, a different version that the author has uh, filed as a floor substitute. The bill, the bill that came out of committee, uh, would repeal a law that is in effect, a pro-life law that's in effect in Oklahoma currently, called the the Heartbeat Informed Consent Act. Uh, the bill, the, the the version that has been filed as a floor substitute for the bill, would repeal the. Pain-Capable Unborn Child Protection Act, Uh, both of those are important pro-life laws that have been in, in effect for several years and are saving lives in Oklahoma, and we anticipate that they will continue to save lives in the future.
1: Okay, thank you, Tony. Um, Now, there's been a little bit of a controversy uh, surrounding that um, explanation, and maybe you can address it. So the controversy, I guess, in its substance is that the SB 1118 would criminalize abortion and call it murder, in essence doing away with it, um, calling it a criminal act. Um, But your concern is that it would do away with sort of the incremental laws that have been put into place that have saved some lives, um, how would you address those or concerns with those who would say that this one bill would do away with abortion and criminalize it, um, and uh, we would need the incremental laws if, if abortion was criminalized? How would you address that concern?
0: Well, the problem would arise if Senate Bill 1118 were enjoined by a court and prevented from going into effect, and then the existing statutes, the, the Heartbeat Informed Consent Act, or the Pain-Capable Unborn Child Protection Act would be implicated in the injunction, and those laws would cease to have effect. So our concern is that the lives that are currently being saved by those two existing laws uh, would not be saved going forward, uh, if if the courts follow their usual pattern and uh, strike down a law of this sort as unconstitutional, um, it would carry it would carry with it in being struck down the existing pro life statutes that are in effect and that are saving lives.
1: Okay, um, are you? Um... Behind that sort of a movement, is that something that you stand with, a kind of movement that ultimately wants to end abortion by calling it first-degree murder and criminalizing it?
0: Well, we believe that we uh, have to deal the... Uh, uh, rather uh, uh, play, play the hand that we were dealt by the U.S. Supreme Court, Uh, we have to work within the system of government that our founding fathers gave us, The, the bad with the good, the separation of powers and the fact that the courts have ultimate authority over the constitutionality of laws that are enacted by the legislative and executive branches of government. And uh, given given what the U.S. Supreme Court rulings on abortion have been, uh, we believe that we have to make progress in a very uh, careful, reasoned, logical manner in order to keep uh, advancing the pro-life cause, and that if we But if we promote legislation, which the court has clearly indicated uh, it will strike down, then we lose ground. So we believe that making incremental progress is a very positive thing to do and that it's much better than uh, having to go back to square one because uh, we've gone gone for... the total ultimate goal
1: and and had that struck down. Okay. Thanks for the explanation, Tony. I really appreciate that. So at at this point, so we can kinda understand the methodology and, and the goals in mind um Oklahomans for for life and the National rights to Life Committee would not want to uh, stand on the position that this is just murder, first degree murder, and we want to end it today. There really is more of a step towards incremental steps and a gradual moving towards ending abortion ultimately as murder is is that is that the position am I correctly understanding
0: Well abortion was not murder under the law of any of the 50 states prior to Roe v. Wade. Uh, abortion obviously is the intentional killing of an innocent human being who is alive, uh, and it's the most uh, heinous, atrocious uh, word of action that one human being can commit against another. But as a technical legal matter it it has never been uh murder under law would
1: you would you we
0: believe we, we believe we believe that the unborn child should be protected uh, by law and that abortion should not be legal or or not legal except uh perhaps where it were the unavoidable result of an action that were necessary to save the life of the mother.
1: Okay. So it, it's just so we kind of, kind of understand the different mindsets. It, it really isn't the position of Oklahomans for Life or the National Right to Life uh, that we ought to call abortion murder. Uh, that's not really the path that we want to take to get to the ending of abortion. Is that what I'm understanding? I'll make sure I understand your position clearly.
0: It's it's murder is a technical legal term. Uh abortion is obviously killing a human being. Abortion is obviously homicide. Uh, but murder murder depends on circumstances and uh, legal definitions that get pretty technical.
1: Um, okay. Thank you, Tony, for that explanation. Tony, are are you a you're a, you're a Christian, I'm assuming, fighting uh, for this pro-life cause. Am I correct?
0: Yes, Pastor, I am indeed.
1: Okay. Well, I appreciate you telling me that. So, uh, when, with your Christian convictions, do you, do you feel the same, or do you feel like there's, there's um, a separation of, uh, of this in your own mind, where as a believer, you would approach this with Scripture, maybe with a different position, calling it murder against the law of God, versus how we're to approach it in the political process? Are there, are there kind of two mindsets at work um, with the National Right to Life and Oklahomans for Life? Is that, is that how the process works on, on, a, on a regular basis for you?
0: No, I, I, don't, I don't think of there being any difference between my personal view of abortion and of what I think the law should say. Uh, I, I think the lives of unborn children ought to be protected by law and that abortion should not be legal. I think that personally, and and both um, as um, an officer of women's for Life and as National rights to
1: Life. Okay, well, I appreciate that. Um, when you when you approach the issue of sb um you said eleven, eleven, eighteen. 1118 i was saying 1118 1118 simplify it when you approach that issue um how, how do you feel about those types of works towards legislation um if if a bill was introduced say tomorrow that was it's first degree murder it's considered homicide that it's called murder and it's criminalized um, and you were able to have some protections in place, where if a court battle ensued, um, you would not lose the other protections. Would that be a bill you would get behind that calls it first degree murder and criminalizes it?
0: Well, my my heart would certainly be in support of a bill like that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know from a legal standpoint that. Um, it's possible to craft such a bill uh, that would that would uh, not implicate existing laws for uh, it to be struck down. The, the, the reality we are working under, the context in which everything in the criminalized effort is undertaken, is the United States Supreme Court, and their various decisions on the abortion issue and um, we have to be able to have five justices on the U.S. Supreme Court who are pro-life and who will uphold pro-life laws. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ultimately, we certainly want to have a law that would prohibit abortion and and protect the lives of unborn children. Uh, But to pass such a law when it is clear that we don't have a majority on the U.S. Supreme Court that would uphold such a law, counterproductive uh, in the in the sense that uh, defeats at the level of the, the highest court uh, has the effect of, of demoralizing the pro-life cause and uh, causing legislators to feel that it's uh, a worthwhile enterprise to continue to pass pro-life legislation, Um, it is much more beneficial, we believe, to continue to make progress and to continue to undermine Roe v. Wade through uh, gradual incremental gains in protecting more and more unborn babies.
1: Okay. Um, Let me see how you would respond to this argument from the other side. Uh, Wouldn't a law like SB 1118 begin the process of um, ending abortion in terms of actually creating a fight with the Supreme Court over this issue? And so I I understand the argument for incrementalism and those sorts of things and the concern that the court would strike it down. But uh, the opposition to maybe your position on this would say, that sb 1118 would begin that fight today um against the supreme court if they tried to strike it down what would you say to that
0: well uh the fight's been going on for 43 years uh and it's very intense and very constant uh but the problem i think with what you uh, hypothesize is that the court would summarily strike down a law such as this. A it was the makeup of the court, and um, that would be a setback to the pro life cause. It would not be helpful, it would be it would be harmful to the pro life efforts overall.
1: Okay. So let me ask you, uh, Tony, because you probably would know these numbers, how many babies um, die uh, via abortion a day in Oklahoma? Uh,
0: I'm not certain of the size number, Pastor. I'm not sure. It's about
1: 6,000 a year. 6,000 a year. Okay.
0: The mass on the daily death toll.
1: Okay. So 6,000 a year. Um, those on the side of SB 1118 would argue that we, we would, ha- they, they would argue that we would have to do everything that we possibly could to protect the lives of those 6,000 babies. Um, and we must do it immediately to preserve their life because their lives are at, at stake. Um, what would you say to, to that position that, we have to stand After, on our uh, principles.
0: Uh, I, I'm sorry. Can I interrupt you for one second? Sure. Are, are we on live or are you taping?
1: We're recording. Uh,
0: recording. Okay. The reason I asked is that I must have gone through a dead spot on the turn because I, your 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 question did not come through clearly, and I could not understand what you asked. I'm
1: okay. Sorry. No problem. I'll, I'll ask it again. By the way, is your window rolled down or there's a lot of background noise, like wind is is blowing?
0: I'm sorry. No, it's not. Okay. The, the windows are all up tight. Okay. Uh, no problem.
1: We'll, we'll work with that. We'll work with that, Tony. No problem at all. Um, I'm sorry. No, it's it's fine. It's 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 coming through pretty good. Well, let me ask the question again. Um, the the people who are proponents of SB 1118 would argue that because we have 6,000 babies um, dying in Oklahoma a year, we must do everything we possibly can to stop. Um, them from being murdered today, and so legislation, the laws we fight for, must be consistent with what our views are as as Christians. That this is murder, and it must be stopped immediately. And so they would argue that um, taking long term incremental incremental steps, not calling it first degree murder, not approaching it as a criminal issue, um, is not helping the six thousand babies that will die this year. And what would you say to that opposition?
0: well, uh, we we are motivated deeply by uh, the horrendous uh, offense uh, that abortion represents uh, it, it, uh, it innervates everything that we do uh, we have been, working ceaselessly for 43 years to try to uh, restore protection for the lives of unborn children. Uh, I'm I'm a volunteer. I drive back and forth from Tulsa to Oklahoma City and have been doing so for 39 years uh, to try to uh, protect the unborn child in every way that we possibly can. but we don't function, unfortunately, in a perfect a perfect world. And uh, we have to we have to operate within the the system of government that, that our nation uh, established, seventeen eighty nine uh, we 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 have separation of powers. We have a court system that has ultimate authority over the laws that are passed by the legislature. And we have to appeal to the, the human instincts of judges and legislators and the public, and we have to... Uh, to do it through persuasion. Uh, There there are no shortcuts and there's no silver bullet. It's just a matter of winning the hearts and minds of uh, both our elected officials and our black-robed judges and the public at large.
1: Well, I appreciate that explanation. Um, Now, I want to I want to talk to you, Tony, as as a brother in Christ at this point, now that I've gotten a chance to kind of hear your point of view. And and I want to tell you just how grateful I am that you have spent so much time in your life standing uh, for the lives of these children. And that I'm grateful for that. You have been in this fight much, much longer than I have. And so I'm grateful for all that you've done uh, to stand for the lives of these babies. I, I, maybe you can address this with me. My, my great concern as a minister of the gospel is that I see abortion as a gospel issue. It's an issue of sin. It's an issue of, of murder. And when I think about how Jesus would address the issue of abortion in a nation, I, I have a hard time um, thinking of Jesus really approaching the issue in an incremental kind of way, just trying to see if we can take little pieces out here and there. I think Jesus would call it Murder. And I think Jesus would would address it as murder. I think he would address Herod or he would address Pontius Pilate as, as, as murder. And I think if we're going to win the hearts and minds of people, we have to do it through the gospel, which means calling them to repentance. So what would you say to a guy like me who says that a bill like SB 1118 is most consistent with the biblical worldview and the gospel, and it would do far more in winning the hearts and minds of people by calling abortion what it is? I mean, I would think that's our ultimate aim is to end abortion and to call it murder and to criminalize it. Ultimately, what would you say to 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 that position?
0: Well, I am motivated by the same uh, spiritual commitment that that you are, Pastor. Um, God is the author of life. Each of us is created in the image and likeness of God. Amen. And the killing of the innocent is the ultimate blasphemy. Um, but in this imperfect human world in which we operate, uh, it isn't the it isn't the decisions of, of pastors or church leaders that Establish public policy, it's the decisions of elected officials and legislative branch of government and, and of judges in the judiciary who determine what our secular laws are and that's the the reality we face and that's the context in which we function.
1: So you, you would you would see go ahead, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forgive me.
0: No, I, I just
1: Okay. So okay. We
0: have, to do, have to do the best we can within
1: the within those uh, circumstances. Okay. Well, Tony, thank you for that explanation. Um, so you you would see um, a um, separation of authority in terms of you you would see uh, Christ and His authority as total over the church, but you would see uh, civil government as a distinct realm. That isn't necessarily supposed to be obedient to Christ and to God's law specifically, you would see a distinction there. I, I, just, I just, just the last couple of words, Oh sure, yeah, just, so it, it's it, I'm just making sure I understand the position. Um, you would see Jesus and his authority as full and total reigning over the church, but you do see civil government as a distinct organization and sphere of authority that is not not necessarily to to be obedient to Jesus in terms of this law murder those sorts of things that you would see it as a, as a, as a distinction
0: well yes as a as a different sphere and and some some people who operate in the, in the arena of public policy are motivated by the same Uh, commitment to religious reality that you and I accept, but some do not, Uh, and yet among some of those who do not, some of them still are willing to protect the lives of unborn children for uh, perhaps what might be referred to as humanitarian reasons. that they recognize that abortion is not a victimless crime, that a, an innocent human being is killed every time an abortion is committed, and uh, and they would vote for pro-life legislation for that reason rather than for religious reasons.
1: So okay, so that that help that helps a lot actually tremendously. So. When, when we pursue um, ending abortion in our nation and addressing this, this pro-life issue, we want to pursue it um, in a different kind of language you're suggesting that would be more helpful and conducive to, 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 to getting rid of this evil. We wouldn't want to use necessarily biblical terminology in that arena because it, it wouldn't work in a secular context. We, we don't want to address it in that way. you think that would be actually hurtful to the cause if we use biblical language and, and stand, you know, as as Christians with biblical terminology, you think it would be easier to do away with this um, in, in a different way?
0: I, I do. I think that's a fair statement. I think that some in the public policy arena... Uh, would not be receptive to uh, our presenting biblical reasons to protect the unborn child, but they would be receptive to our uh, presenting arguments based on biology and science and medicine. Um, and, and we need to expand the universe of, of those public officials who would be receptive to, to our arguments
1: uh, okay. uh, I, I think
0: another way to another way to say it might be that that uh, there's a distinction uh, a distinction for three of us in the pro-life effort in our motivation. My, my motivation is uh, religious and spiritual, uh, 100%. Uh, but uh, there is a distinction between our motivation and our argumentation when we try to persuade public officials to protect the unborn child yes and and it's more it's more productive uh, okay Uh, public policy arena generally to to talk about the humanity of the unborn child yeah the biological development of the baby in the womb and and um that
1: Tony that's that's really help that's very helpful that's very helpful. helpful helpful yeah no that's very helpful to understand so 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 i can understand how the pro-life because you've been doing this for such a long time the pro-life movement really wants to approach us not in terms of really like saying repent and believe the gospel abortion is murder but we need to approach it sort of in a sense through a back door that's more helpful
0: uh pastor uh, i'm sorry i'm missed-
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll say it again. I'm sorry. We have such a difficult time here. So, um, so I can understand because, like I said, you've been in this movement for much longer than I have, and you've been with the pro-life cause for so long, and and so really, what you're suggesting is what's most helpful for us and be more conducive to actual growth in this area is if we don't approach the issue in terms of like, as a Christian, repent and believe this is murder, turn from your sin to God, but we really approach it really, in a sense, kind of in a in a, in a backdoor kind of way where we're, we're going to use language that's more helpful for them and um, try to at least soften it in a, in a, in a sense so that um, we can get to our ultimate ends, but we're not going to use necessarily the dogmatic Christian language of like repent and believe the gospel. We don't want to do that.
0: Right, yes. You expressed that very well. Okay. But, um, you know, if we, if we can demonstrate to collected officials that the unborn child is alive from the moment the sperm and egg unite and that each cell of that new human life has forty six chromosomes, twenty three of which come from the mother and twenty three of which come from the father. That those chromosomes when viewed under an electron microscope are uniquely human. They are different than the chromosomes that comprise any other living being, uh, and and then proceed from there to make the argument that that no human being has the right to intentionally take the life of a another member of our human family, and uh, and then progress to you know what ultimately is the the second great commandment, love. To Love thy neighbor as thyself and you know, we just don't have the right to kill another human being.
1: Okay, thank you, Tony. You've, you've been so gracious to me today. I really appreciate it. Two, two more questions uh, that I think will really help me. And just in terms of understanding where the National Right to Life kind of comes from and how you guys uh, want to approach this, because, um, again, I'm, I'm fairly new to this fight. Um, I've only, I mean, I've, I've obviously been pro-life since I've been a believer, um, but I'm fairly new to this specific fight over the last three years. Um, God has actually used our church to save over 50 babies from death. Um, so it's, it's been a huge blessing, but it's... Yeah. Praise God. It's been it's been it's been really um, a blessing. But um, it's interesting for me to kind of understand how you guys operate and how you guys think we should go about doing this more effectively. Uh, so two questions I think would, people would want to know is number one. Um, and it's it's a tough one. And so I'd, I'd love to hear your, how you feel about this. Um, are women who have abortions murderers?
0: do not believe that a woman who has an abortion should be prosecuted. Uh, we definitely believe that uh, criminal penalties are appropriate for an abortionist, and the laws that we've worked on through the years have had criminal penalties for uh, those who commit abortions. But the woman herself, we do not believe, uh, should be prosecuted. Very often women are pressured into getting abortions. Uh, the, the, leading, the leading cause of, of, uh, of death, this is a striking statistic, the leading cause of death for pregnant women in the United States is murder. They are killed by a boyfriend or a husband or whoever the father of the child may be who has pressured them to get an abortion? that The woman has refused and has said she wants to carry her baby to term. Um, that is a outrageous reality, but it is uh, tragically true.
1: Okay, well that helps a lot, Tony. So we would say the abortionist is a we would say that's murder. We want to have him prosecuted for murder, but the woman, not so much. We don't want to we don't want to go that route.
0: Right, we don't oh. we do believe that the woman should be prosecuted. Okay, so okay. And I, you know, it's, it's a maybe it's a fine point, but, but we would not say the abortionist ought to be prosecuted for murder. We would say the abortionist ought to be prosecuted for for killing the unborn child or for homicide. But murder is a murder is a technical term that depends on lots of circumstances.
1: Okay. Well, one, one last question. Um, how do you, when you approach this, a, as a believer in the fight, how do you um, argue with or face the opposition um, when you are not necessarily standing on scriptural arguments and standing on the Word of God, and you face, say, an atheist or an agnostic who's a, a liberal, they're on the left, they're fighting for the pro-choice cause, um, and you say, I believe that human life is valuable and we ought to protect the unborn. But you're not standing on that necessarily from a scriptural basis. You're trying to, you know, go other directions and find other routes in. And they say to you as an atheist or as an agnostic... They say to you simply, "Well, I believe that we should be able to kill the unborn, um, and I don't care that it is alive. I don't care that it is a human. I believe that we have a right to kill humans uh, in our womb." How do you argue that point with the unbeliever um, when you're not, when we're not in in, in this pro-life cause uh, allowed to really stand on scripture? How would you respond to that?
0: Well, when when somebody acknowledges that. The unborn child is alive and is human, but says that uh, we have a right to kill that unborn baby regardless, uh, i not sure there is any way to reach them. Uh, some people are so uh, entrenched in their pro-abortion attitudes that they're they're not uh, convertible. They're not in, able to be influenced. And uh, uh, some, some people, unfortunately, are that way. They're closed-minded. Um, for, for anybody to acknowledge that abortion is not a victimless act, that abortion, in fact, is the intentional taking of an innocent human life, and then to say, but I think I ought to be able to do that if I want to. Uh, they're they they're in the, they're in the in the hopeless category, I would say.
1: Okay, this the, actually with the last question, Tony. And again, I'm so grateful you spent time with us today. One just one question popped up in my mind. I'm just trying to make sure I can think consistently through this in terms of what you guys um, say and and you believe is most effective um just uh, if if an argument was thrown back to me and I was with the pro life movement in this cause, I would want to know how you you would suggest answering it um, if a nineteen year old man um, participated in the attentional killing of a seventeen year old boy um what would we claim uh, cl- I'm
0: sorry, I just went through
1: a dead zone there oh no problem sorry, let me let me sorry. let me ask it again i 'm sorry okay, so uh, just in terms of how the pro life cause would want to address this concern if, if this was thrown back at you um, uh, in terms of an apologetic for it let 's put it that way um, if a nineteen year old um, teenager um, participates in the intentional killing of a seventeen year old teenager. According to law, what is that classified at? Is that, is that murder?
0: Well, it would depend on the circumstances.
1: It was an intentional uh, killing. It wasn't self-defense. Would that be called murder?
0: Well, um, I think still, but it would depend on the circumstances. Um if it were premeditated and uh, intentional and so on and so forth, uh, you know, there, there are various conditions that are not for first-degree murder, second-degree murder, manslaughter, etc. Justifiable so, homicide, self-defense, would, you know, all those different, sure, all those sure. different categories. Well, how, so, how,
1: do you, how, do, how do you feel about it, Tony? Do you think premeditated, intentional killing of an innocent human being is murder?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, generally speaking,
1: I do. Generally speaking, okay. All right. Well, that helps, Tony. You have been um, very helpful today, and I'm thankful that you spent time talking with us. And um, I really, I really appreciate you spending so much time with me on the on the phone and and doing this radio program with me. It really helps a lot in terms of understanding um, where where you're coming from and how you approach the this fight. And um, again, I am I I am grateful for all the years that you have spent uh, standing for the unborn. So I thank you very very much.
0: Uh, Pastor, thank you. And and if if I might just add one one note on that last uh, question. Sure. Uh, to my knowledge, uh, there was no state in the United States in which the, the killing of an unborn child by abortion Uh, was classified legally as murder prior to Roe v. Wade. And um, what we have been seeking to do for these last 43 years is restore legal protection for the lives of unborn children as it existed prior to Roe v. Wade. Uh, And the word murder, I don't mean to get hung up on the word murder, but I don't want either of us to get hung up on the word murder. I really think it's a distinction without a difference. Uh, it's the intentional killing of an innocent human being is what abortion is, and we recognize that as the, the, the ultimate offense against God and man.
1: Okay. Well, maybe we can have a talk another time. Tony, I wanted to make sure today I spent time talking to you and understanding where you're coming from and give you a chance to, to say it on, on the radio program for us all to hear. So I'm grateful for you spending time and uh, hope you have a safe rest of your trip, okay? Thank you, Pastor. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. T- t- thank you, Tony. Enjoy
0: talking to you. Thanks. Bye-bye.
1: So there was the interview. Um, I have to confess as a... As a pastor, um, as a a believer, as a Christian, uh, it was hard for me uh, to do that interview. It was one of the hardest interviews I've ever done. Um, It was hard to to not say something. It was hard to not point out the glaring inconsistencies as a Christian. Um, Not wanting to call, to really call abortion murder. Not wanting to end it immediately. um, Saying that there is a realm over here that's the Christian realm and a realm over here that Jesus isn't necessarily in charge of. We don't speak into it necessarily as consistent Christians. um, That was all hard to hear, and I want to say something here. If we love our neighbors, if we love our neighbors, if we desire to see abortion ended, if we want people's hearts to change as Christians, that only happens because the gospel. Only God opens the eyes of the blind. Only God gives hearts of of flesh where there are hearts of stone. And it says in Romans 1 that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. The only way we are ever going to end abortion in our nation is if we speak consistently as Christians and we proclaim the gospel. We can't approach this issue with neutrality, and we certainly can't approach this issue playing around with the terminology so that we don't say, that's murder, stop killing these babies. We're never going to end abortion in our nation if we continue the fight the way this failed pro-life process has. We have to approach this issue as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ. And we have to call our nation to repentance and faith. And we need to focus in upon legislation that calls abortion what it actually is, murder. And we tell people, stop killing babies today. Not 10 years from now, not 20 years from now. How many more babies will die with these failed pro-life policies? How many more babies will die? 10 million more? 20 million more, 50 million more. How many more babies have to die before Christians stand up, honor Christ as Lord and say, stop killing these babies. We demand it now. Repent and believe the gospel. We're not waiting for you to end abortion someday. We want it stopped now. That, brothers and sisters, is the only way we can faithfully love Jesus and our neighbors. We call them to faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus is God. He lived a perfect and righteous life. He died for sinners and rose from the dead. And he commands men and women everywhere to repent and believe the gospel. We will never, ever see transformation in our society if we don't start acting like Jesus and Paul in terms of calling people to die to self and to come to Christ. Being a Christian is hard. It's one of the hardest things in this nation right now to live consistently as a Christian. It costs you everything to follow Jesus faithfully. And it's going to cost us everything to follow Jesus faithfully in this area of abortion. We need to confront these kinds of policies and leaders as Christians. We need to say no more of this slippery, squishy nonsense. We stand on the rock. And we're calling people to come to Christ. For more, go to ApologyRadio.com.